On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Kevin Rescio. He is the manager of IT service management at GAF. I think it's going to be an interesting podcast. We're going to be talking about service management and talking about how ServiceNow is a product that is helping address and prevent some problem management issues of the past. As well, we're going to talk about relationships with different teams and hopefully get into some other areas of accountability and service management. Excited to have Kevin on. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Amir. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So give us a little insight in terms of you know what you do at GAF and what GAF does, and we'll dive right in. Sure. I'll start off with GAF. So GAF is mainly a manufacturing company, a large sales organization as well. But what we do is uh, shingles. More specifically, I'd say roofing materials. We are the leading manufacturer of roofing materials in, in North America. Chances are, if you own a home and there are shingles on the roof, it's probably manufactured by GAF. So that's our bread and butter. What I do is I'm part of the IT organization here. As you mentioned, I'm the uh, manager, IT service management. And really what our group does is we are a support structure for some more of the technical teams within IT. So you know, you have your server support, you have your application development folks. What we do is provide a level of metrics and maturity to our IT organization. Awesome. And when you're, I guess, looking at service management, give us a, a more concrete example of Maybe, and again, just to set the context, not everyone might be familiar with the service management uh, department in their company, but uh, what is like a specific thing that you guys do? I think the most prominent, let's say, a team within a service management organization would probably be the service desk. In other places, it's called the help desk. But really that, that frontline support of when any associate within your organization has some type of technical issue with their endpoint workstation, a PC or, or, or a mobile phone. We are the first line of contact for getting you the support you need and also triaging those incidents or issues to level three or, or escalated support if needed. But that's mainly, I, I assume, what most people would probably associate with service management. Awesome. I think that's probably a, a good observation. I think most people have at least some baseline experience in their company at some level. I guess when you're looking at your area of the world and you're looking at some of the problems, yeah, and I know we talked about relationships with other teams, and I think I want to maybe start there because I think that'll be a good segue into other topics. But as your team is kind of like that frontline triage, and you guys are obviously responsible for a lot of issues coming at you, how do you guys work like with other teams? Obviously, you know, you guys are responsible for making sure you know, things are running very smoothly for different aspects, but obviously you're also connected to a whole lot of teams that you're not a part of necessarily. That's a good question because I think it's very easy for a service desk organization to treat incoming incidents as kind of a dumping ground and onto other teams as well. So some issue comes in, it's very easy to basically assign that issue to another team and think, okay, I, I, sent it over the wall, I don't have to worry about it anymore. So communication and collaboration is key. Having expectations set on what can the service desk do in terms of entry-level support and what are the expectations if escalation is needed or if more technical expertise is needed, at what point is it acceptable to transfer some problem to a more technical team? That's kind of the, the key there. And obviously, communication and collaboration is a big part of that. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned, you know, service management, you know, the perception of, you know, maybe other teams as potentially being the cops. How does that typically play out? Maybe explain, you know, how you, how you see that playing out. 
that's a question that's a kind of a long answer, and I'll try to, to contain it a little bit for the audience here. So I think you mentioned before when we were first discussing this, is you know, how does ServiceNow come into play, or not even ServiceNow, but some sort of ticketing system or, or maturity model come in? And how it comes in is how are we managing these incidents? Well, a big part of that is when you have an organization that deals with a lot of support issues, you want some type of service level agreement. So if someone from our business team, our business partners, need, needs assistance with some type of issue, there should be an expectation of it should take one hour, it should take two hours, it should take three days to resolve this issue. As you can imagine, our company, JF, has about 5,000 employees, which that's a lot of employees to think about who are going to call in with some type of issue. So in terms of triaging and managing ticket queues, it's important for a team within IT to act as that liaison in terms of are our technical teams servicing and managing their queues with necessity? Are there service levels providing for our business partners? Are they above or below what was agreed upon? And that's where IT service management comes into play. While we're supporting them, we're also trying to provide our, our leadership in terms of what are the teams that are performing or not performing up to the expected level. And that's kind of where I mentioned it could feel like we're a bit of a, a police organization because essentially we're, we're telling on people, hey, you have this service level, you agreed upon it, and you're not really needing it. The key is to, in my eyes, you're doing that to help that team. You know, you want to make sure that that team has the headcount and the resources to do their job. And we use the metrics coming from a tool like ServiceNow to provide that analysis to say, this team might be understaffed given the expected level of service that they're trying to provide. Absolutely. And I guess in that vein, you mentioned ServiceNow. So I, I guess, you know, in terms of a platform, maybe talk about you know, how life was like before and after, like, you know, what was the platform you guys were using to manage these, you know, service requests and making sure that, you know, having the ability to track and keep people accountable to the service levels they've agreed upon and kind of, you know, post-service now what the world looks like. Sure. We were using a tool called Footprints and a fairly similar, not as robust, I would say, but a fairly similar tool. I would say that we used it more as a tracking system, just to make sure that there's a queue for some of our teams to fulfill or fulfill requests or resolve incidents. You know, at the beginning of this, I mentioned maturity. And I think that's the key with ServiceNow. If you think about it, in the early days, you could probably rely on email. You know, a couple of associates that you have, you could rely on email to say, hey, I need help with this, or I, I need a new monitor, or I'm having an issue with this application. As you grow, obviously, email is not a a valid tool to keep track of all of the incidents, issues, and requests that come through. So you need a ticketing system. Okay, so you get a ticketing system, you start tracking that. If As you progress up that maturity scale, what else can you do with that data? Okay, so now you're tracking things. That's great. It's more organized. Now it's about incident management and then problem management. You're tracking issues like I'm having a hardware issue and it's a configuration item, right? Or item is causing these issues over and over again. That's where problem management comes in. It gives you metrics to say, we're able to track these issues. And now we can see these issues keep happening over and over again. So let's, what else can we do in terms of reducing that issue occurrence over time? Especially in an organization like ours, we have several, similar to I think any organization, you have several platforms, several applications, and several types of infrastructure. How can you use tracking to identify the key areas where you want to focus your IT department on? Are we having an issue with networking? Are we having an issue with server and infrastructure? Are we having a, uh, an issue with code? 
using ServiceNow, it kind of helps us gravitate to where those problems lie and give our leadership the focus of where we should align our resources. Interesting. And I guess like, you know, lots of data is coming in. Like you're tracking all these different tickets, issues, you know, other data points you guys are capturing. How does that translate or how does maybe ServiceNow help translate to actually maybe getting ahead of some of the problems, right? So preventing some of the issues, you know, that you're seeing consistency, how does that play out? I think the tool offers a lot of capability in terms of, and I think any tool can do this, but automation is something. So it's kind of a question of reactive versus proactive, you know, problem and incident management. I think you talk about pre and post service now. Pre, we were very reactive. Someone would uh, report a problem and we would jump to it and react to it. Having a system in place to be able to be proactive, it helps us, it helps us be smarter. So how can we kind of attack that problem before it even happens? Or how can we attack that problem before our business partners understand what's happening? And that's kind of the key. I think one of the biggest wins, you want to, how should I say this? You want to put on an image that the IT organization is running very smoothly. And not to say that IT organizations are never doing that, but having automated monitoring, having alerting, things that are capable with a tool like ServiceNow, it allows us to be a little bit more proactive so that our business partners are able to do the jobs that they need to do successfully and efficiently. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially if you're starting to see patterns and you're starting to, I guess, uh, you know, every product now has some kind of AI or ML component to kind of start anticipating, you know, similar type of things and start to, you know, maybe get into, I wouldn't say predicting, but at least maybe, you know, handling the service or prioritizing based on previous uh, history. Does that all translate into, I guess, when you're looking at, you know, whatever, you know, scorecard or whatever, you know, reporting you're looking at, is that translating into kind of helping prioritize, you know, request and, you know, resource allocation? Absolutely. Uh, obviously, an easy way is, is, is volume-based. So in terms of the ticket volume that's coming in, what are the key areas? If you break it down by categories, you could focus on the, on the categories that are the highest volume. But that's just one piece of the picture, obviously, for any organization. There are key priorities that it might not align with the volume. It might have to align with another you know, key performance indicator for a specific project. So I guess when you're looking at you know, the metrics and you're like, well, you potentially have what might be perceived as the squeaky wheel and maybe you know, something that's perceived as important and maybe they're not always the one and the same. Maybe tell us about how that gets balanced because obviously uh, you know, squeaky wheels typically get up the attention, but maybe it's not the most important thing. It's a constant, I don't want to say struggle. I think that's a little too drastic. I would say it's a constant item of discussion because what's common in a lot of organizations is there's your support versus project-based work. And in general, project work is more of that sexy stuff. You have these exciting projects. You're probably, from an IT perspective, you're working on this fancy new application that can be released and give our associates a lot of fancy new features. The support side is more of the uh, you know, day-to-day operational stuff that you may not get the visibility, not just for our IT leadership, but the executive leadership as a whole. So for me, it's kind of trying to push that support in terms of the importance of it. Because you're right, the squeaky wheel, it sometimes can exist. And sometimes that's not a priority to those involved. And you really don't get that without a partnership between your IT organization and the rest of the business. As I've kind of jumped between a few organizations, there seems to be a dichotomy sometimes between 
IT and then the rest of the company. And I think the more that you can separate that silo, the more successful you can be because it really is a partnership. When I talk about the priorities that people should be working on, whether it's support or project related, you do need that input from the business and the business needs to understand the the capabilities and the limitations of what your IT organization is. And you don't have that unless your CEO and let's say your CIO are working hand in hand because it really is a partnership. It shouldn't be where IT is what's commonly referred to as an order taker, where the business gets to decide what's happening and IT just goes off and does it. I think the most successful organizations I've seen have been able to mix the priorities of both the IT portion and then the business portion. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, with so many different SaaS systems that every company uses or could be APIs, there's just so much more than, you know, let's say a decade ago, you know, everything was on-premise and you had a handle on the you know, couple of major systems. Now there's so many different integration points. When you look at your job and obviously you're catching all these issues that are coming in, to me, it seems like a pretty mission critical role because obviously, you know, if, if one piece goes down and so I can't, you know, you guys are a big manufacturing company, supply chain, like that could all disrupt a potential piece of the process that you need to get back up and running immediately. It's all about production. It's all about empowering the business to do what they do best, which is create shingles, manufacture the shingles, and sell the shingles, right? I mean, obviously, basing down our products, but at its core, that's essentially what it is. You know, sales is one of the most important parts of our organization. And not just the supply chain, but that's obviously, we have plants across the nation. So obviously, supply chain is super important. But you know, a hot term that's bandied about nowadays is, is digital transformation. And I think that could mean a lot of different things to different people. But for us, it is pretty clear. We're taking a a sort of legacy or traditional selling model, which is not door-to-door, but having the physical product in your hand to say, this is what a shingle looks like. This is what it'll look like on your house. And especially nowadays with COVID and the pandemic going on, when you can't meet face-to-face with your customers, how how do you emulate that sales experience virtually? You know, our sales organization is so used to being able to face with our contractor base, our homeowner base, and being able to show them in person, you know, this is what a house could look like with our product. The digital transformation is us. Is how do we empower the people who sell our product and promote our product over something like this, which would be a Zoom call or some sort of video conference call. So you can see that with a traditional selling model like that and trying to transform it digitally, there's so many more applications, so many more integrations, and it just increases the need for the ability to understand where our problems lie and, and the root cause. Absolutely. And I mean, I think now that you, you mentioned, you know, you know, people are working from home and, and whatnot, delivering services, you know, where it used to be, you know, however many offices or plants or, you know, physical spaces you had, now you have you know, X times that, because obviously people are staying from home. So you have to deliver services at a lot more points of failure. Exactly. Exactly right. And, you know, we have the same mentality of, you know, always on, always available. The customer experience is now digital. And here's the thing. We are not going to be compared to another competitor in terms of our digital transformation or our digital platform on how easy it is to obtain our product. And the reason for that is, Quite frankly, in the traditional roofing industry, there really are no competitors. And so if we're trying to build a platform that is easy to use, intuitive, and is able to sell a product with uh, efficiency and precision, we're not going to be compared to competitors. We're going to be compared to places like uh, Facebook or Amazon, 
the ease of obtaining what you want, we're going to be compared to platforms like that. So that builds the pressure of offering that kind of experience. Very interesting, man. That I think it's an interesting area. I think the you know different pressures of of the times on the you know team like yours, because obviously you know, like I said, points of failure have increased. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and kind of sharing with us. If if somebody does have a follow up question, is LinkedIn a good place to hit you up to maybe t- you know expand on anything you've you've talked about on the podcast? Absolutely uh, available on LinkedIn. Please reach out with any questions. Uh, respond to DMs as they come in. So please reach out if you, if you have anything. Awesome. Awesome. We'll include your uh, LinkedIn in the show notes. Again, thanks for being on. I think this is a super interesting topic. And um, we'll be back again, uh, hopefully tomorrow with a different episode and a different topic for y'all. Two things I always ask for. One, subscribe to the podcast. If you've listened to it, you enjoyed it, subscribe. That's the one way that uh, helps push us up the charts. And uh, the growth has been amazing. So thank you for everyone listening. Secondly, Always looking for more topics. So drop me a line on LinkedIn and you know mention if there's something you'd like us to, uh, to cover. I'd love to know more. Until next time, thanks. 